Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. To the Games Master Team Championship. This is Under Consultation, an episode by episode podcast guide through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, and I've got four words for you, Derek. Thanks for downloading this. And I'm Derek. No, shit. I'm Ash Versus. I'm not Derek. I'm not Dexter either. I'm definitely neither of those two. This episode aired on the 2nd of December 1993, and while Meatloaf is still top of the pop for one more week, Mel Gibson's directorial debut, The Man Without a Face, is the UK's box office number one. Justin McLeod lived a lonely existence, far from the eyes of a prying world. Charles Norstead lived in a world of his own, and was looking for a way out. You guys ever seen the freak? McLeod? No. He won't let you see him, not up close. Nobody lives like that unless they've got history. Why did you come here? You still do any teaching? Misunderstood, are we? No, I'm just sick of living with three females, all brilliant and a family retard. If it's a matter of money, I can pay you. No, I don't think you can. Buckethead. This is the way it works. Learn or leave, because it's of no consequence to me one way or the other. What's he like? Do you like him? Does he like you? Have a good look. Get it over with, and we'll continue. I hate writing. It sucks. I want you to look up ten alternatives for the slang to suck. Why can't I read it silently? Because it's a play, Norstad. You perform it. I'd love to have a lot to say about this movie, and in fact, there is stuff I will say about it, and I'll get to it in a second. First thing that comes to my mind is I wish we were talking about next week's film this week, because mm-hmm. ever since I saw what next week's film is, I've struggled to think about any other film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying it's a good film. It's a great film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is one that I don't uh, particularly know. Uh, I'm going to guess, like given the, the time frame that it's released, that it was 
thought to be like a an, uh, an Oscar contender by uh, whichever studio it was released by. It's got that Oscar feel about it, also because it's Gibson's directorial debut, and he's a bit of a sweetheart at this point. Yeah, this is um, this is before everything. way before, yeah, way before everything. I always remember kind of feeling just hearing the title. It should be maybe a bit fantasy or sci-fi or horror, and it's not. It's based on a book from 1972 novel of the same name and the basic plot is at the end of the 60s mel gibson plays a guy called justin who's been living in an isolated existence for the past seven years following a car accident that left him disfigured on the right side of his face so there's the man without the face although man without half a face still has a face the man with half a face that would sound even more genre that's that's like halfway to the invisible man i was gonna say that's a wes craven title Wes Craven presents The Man With Half A Face. Coming soon to Shudder. (laughs) But it covers Justin's experiences with a young boy called Chuck who's enduring a dysfunctional relationship with his academically brilliant half-sisters and their oft-divorced mother. Chuck meets Justin on a ferry when Justin witnesses Chuck in an act of vandalism born out of escalating frustration. Chuck is both intrigued and slightly scared of Mel Gibson. Understandable, I think we've all had that feeling for a good amount of time but Chuck needs a tutor to help him pass a military academy's entrance exam that he'd failed earlier in the year. Eventually, upon discovering that Justin is a teacher, Chuck persuades him to become his tutor. Whilst he is initially baffled by Justin's unorthodox methods, the two, over time, develop a close friendship. This sounds like Oscar Bates. It definitely was, and it wasn't a bad film. It was a good film. It was not what people were expecting of Mel Gibson at this point. Mm. Certainly, I think, as an actor also probably as a first-time director. I remember the trailers. I remember the title. I remember the posters. I remember Barry Norman reviewing it on film on the BBC. This is around the time I started to be able to stay up to watch film on the BBC. Mm. And it really began to open the world to me because suddenly I was seeing all these films that I'd have otherwise never really have heard of, some of which interested me, some didn't. This was in the not category. I'm confident I will have watched this at some point. I don't think I hated it, but I also don't think it made any lasting impression. Um, The only thing I can remember kind of is, obviously, he graduates, it all goes well, and I think they show Gibson actually in the crowd because he's overcome his kind of reclusiveness as a result of having half a face. Critically, Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars. He praised Gibson's performance, calling it a reminder of his versatility. Not many actors can fit comfortably in both Lethal Weapon and Hamlet. This is also true. This comes after his turn in Hamlet. Here he finds just the right note. Not a caricature, not a softy, not pathetic, but fiercely sure of what is right and wrong. It made 24.7 million at the box office. Domestic or worldwide? That's domestic. That's all I've got for it. I don't have a budget for it. But I can't imagine it would have been that much. No, 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 absolutely not. And again, like because it's an Oscar bait movie, the sort of box office results aren't really that important on its first run because the idea would be that it does well at the Oscars, gets a lot all that buzz from that. It will get a re-release afterwards, it will get the Oscar re-release, and they will get the home entertainment release. I would imagine my aunt Sue. Like going to her house was where you had the epic VHS collection. Just felt like she just had like untold amounts of VHSs and stuff. And she was also a very big Mel Gibson fan. She thought that Mel Gibson was certainly that was her man. He was that was her fancy man. I would wager that this was part of that VHS collection. But I would wager that my cousins and I were probably more interested in the lethal weapon side of 
Auntie Sue's VHS collection than we were this side of her Mel Gibson collection. I mean, Lethal Weapon, Mad Max. Yeah, certainly the second one anyway. I think the first one's a bit bobbins, but the second one's great. Mad Max or Lethal Weapon? Mad Max. Wow. Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon, like Lethal Weapon One's incredible, actually. But I, I will go on. I do think Lethal Weapon Two is way better than Lethal Weapon One. I think Lethal Weapon Two is banging. I think Mad Max Two is a better movie. Mad Max One might be a better film. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, you you get what I mean on that, and hopefully the listeners yeah, yeah. do as well. There are movies and there are films, and I love both. Oh, dude, the old website that I used to be an editor for—that's how we scored. That's how we scored everything. We had two separate ratings. We had a film rating and a movie rating. But either way, on that film, if it's on a streaming service and you can stomach Mel Gibson, you can check it out. There are probably worse things you could do with your time. A couple of quick games to go over before we get into the magazine that our new releases this week. Uh, Duke Nukem 2 uh, got its release on uh, MS-DOS. Of course, that's the side-scrolling version of Duke Nukem before it becomes Duke Nukem 3D, and that's the Duke Nukem that we all know. Next week's a really big week, so we've got Doom next week, but also released this week is DuckTales 2 uh, on the NES and on Game Boy, which I played this morning uh, in preparation for this podcast because it's on the Disney Afternoon Collection. And yeah, it's more of the same of the first one, but its its biggest problem is that it was released pretty much, you know, it's, it's the SNES is out. The SNES has been out for quite a while now, so it's right at the end of the NES's run. It got in a very limited release, and therefore it's actually quite sought after. So if you do want to check it out, play the Disney Afternoon Collection version. I think it's probably a better game than the first one because there's a bit more to it. Like the, you've got the rafts and you've got like things you can hang off of. It is basically the same game, but there's a couple of you know knobs and whistles on it. But it is, yeah, I, I, I was quite enjoying it until my wife came downstairs and made me put the news on like a grown-up. But yeah, I, I was quite enjoying my time before that. Man, that must have been like being a kid again. It's like, I've got my <laughs> cartoons, put the news on. I don't think your other half has a voice that low, by the way. Apologies. <laughs> Apologies okay. to her. <laughs> Although I love the concept of her coming downstairs and just putting on a kind of a gravelly J. Joma Jameson, put the news on. <laughs> I got up this morning, I watched me wrestling, former a former job, and then I went downstairs and I played DuckTales for half an hour, and then my wife comes downstairs and was like, what is this noise? I'm not feeling well. This noise is annoying me. Put the news on. And then I made her a cup of coffee. And then suddenly Oscar the Grouch disappeared. Yes, you did, and then demanded pictures of that Spider-Man. Uh, what's going on in the magazine uh, <laughs> for this week? Just a few inches this week, just a few inches, because this is the first episode of the Games Master Team Championship. Is Dominic's big purple column back then? No, 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 <laughs> not even that many inches. Less inches oh, okay. than that. And, you know, who knows how many inches Dexter's column could have been. We'll never know, unless you watch the Rachel Diaries, because those pants are tight. Anyway, because it's the first week of the team championship, we're keeping it short on the news article. This one caught my eye. Do you remember video game snack foods when we used to get proper video game snack foods? Oh, yeah. I do. And I remember this one, although you don't. I, this one is not because like crisps, I don't. Pasta shapes, I do remember of this character, but crisps have escaped me. Those top geezers at Benson's Crisps are bringing a new snack called Sonic the Hedgehog Snacks. That's an unoriginal name. They could have gone for Sonic the Snack Hog, Sonic the Hedge Snack. Yeah, that, that's a problem with branding, I suppose. Is you know, Sega of like, you've got to have it be Sonic the Hedgehog. And then he's like, well, that's three cumbersome words. Like, what do we do after that? I guess snacks. The crisps are shaped like your favourite hedgehog and the packs portray scenes from the game itself. The flavours are cheese, brackets, yuck, What's wrong with cheese? 
I don't know, man. I'm not big on cheese crisps. Like, uh, this is a bit of a controversial thing in my office, but like, I hate cheeselets and uh, I don't particularly like mini cheddars either. But I do like quavers. Spicy tomato is the next flavour. No, I do like a spicy tomato crisp. Or oh, spicy tomato knickknacks. That's the flavour of choice. And of course, the perennial classic, salt and vinegar. I suppose the disappointment then comes if you, if you can't really get round to the Sonic the Hedgehog branding for the name. Surely you want to come up with something a bit creative for the flavour types. Well, what gets me is they're going, oh, the snacks are shaped like Sonic the Hedgehog. No, they're not. They're a blob with prongs. That's what it's going to be. But this is Sonic. What would be the easiest geometric shape to do for Sonic the Hedgehog snack food? Rings. Yeah. Now, I know there are ring-based crisps out there, but you know what? Who gives a fuck? <gasps> Make them the puffed kind, like Monster Munch, and still keep the flavours. But then you've got Sonic the Hedgehog's Chaos Rings or Golden Rings. That's what I called them. Yeah, Golden Rings. Sonic the Hedgehog Golden Rings. Cheese flavours. Spicy tomato flavoured. Cheesy Robotnik. Yeah. Spicy Badniks. And salt and vinegar tails. <laughs> and salt and vinegar hill zone. The salt and vinegar zone. <laughs> exactly. Otherwise yeah. known as chemical plant zone. Mm. Irregardless of the missed opportunity for a coherent shape and the kind of so-so flavours, there was a competition on each pack. You could win a Sonic baseball cap, watches, and even a Mega Drive. Wow, that's a big old prize to get. Like, that's a th I'll be honest, it's a better prize than the team championships. We will get to that. <laughs> but the best bit about this, Luke, 15p. Oh, 15p. And we, we talked about this because like, we Googled the image of them, like, you know, just sort of Sonic the Hedgehog Crisps UK. And while these don't spring to mind, they do look the size of 15p crisps, uh, I can tell you that much. But while, like, they don't really spring to memory, the artwork is so UK Sonic. We were talking about this off mic. Like, one of my... Uh, a pastime that I have of an evening if I'm a, sort of at a loose end is I go to eBay and I search for Sonic the Hedgehog 1993 and I just look at what stuff's on there. Then when I've looked at that stuff, I then search for Sonic the Hedgehog 1994 and I look at that stuff. You usually find like McDonald's toys, uh, books, uh, Sonic the Comic, of course, and like coloring books and things like that, you know, uh, books and hardback books. And it's this style of artwork. And I feel like UK Sonic, Euro Sonic... Um, certainly has a different feel to it than uh, American Sonic. It's British newspaper Sonic. It's colouring book Sonic. It's yeah. It's this is drawn by the guy that normally does the fill-in lines for Andy Cap. That's where this art is coming from. Yeah. If you're not quite sure what we mean, just Google like the image that we're talking about here, Sonic the Hedgehog Crisps UK. And as soon as you see it, you'll be like, oh right. Yeah, I see what you mean now. It's the sort of artwork you used to get on the better bootleg products. Yeah, right. Like it's it's most noticeable in tails. Tails in the UK, in like in Europe, Sega Europe, doesn't look like American tails. Not in the slightest. I mean, they get the idea of the character. It's a fox with two tails. It's a hedgehog but blue. And one is it's not a great likeness, and two, it's not consistent. Hmm. I do actually have one other quick article. It's literally a paragraph, and it is super relevant to you. More than Sonic Crisps? More than Sonic Crisps. Oh, I mean, it colour me intrigued. Road Rash on roller skates. What? No, it's on Skitchin! Skitchin! Electronic Arts USA have announced the imminent release of Skitchin, a two-player roller skating race game that seems to follow the Road Rash style of violence and no-holds-barred action. There's no sign of a UK release date yet, 
but expect more news soon. Oh, just you wait, lads. It's coming to the UK and it's fucking great. You're going to love it. I cannot even describe the joy that was just on your face when you realised I was about to talk about Skitchin. Like, that was borderline lottery win reaction. That was proper shaking fists in the air in joy. And also, because I can see the level meters going up on our recording, I'm going to have to temper that one down for you. Normally, your audio's fine. I have to boost the hell out of mine. But that one, I'm going to have to go, oops, smooth that off. Hello, and welcome to the first seat of the Games Master Team Championship. Now, at the beginning of the series, I said we want to make the challenges tougher. Well, me and the Games Master still think they're too soft. So we've come down deep into the caretaker's furnace room here at the Games Master's Academy for the hottest video game championship you've ever seen in your life. Well, here we are, Ash. We're in the second half of Series 3 now, and it is the team championships. The, uh, I would say, controversial team championships, because I've never really met anyone I've, I've, I rarely meet anyone uh, who likes season three overall, but worse still, I've never really met anyone that would tell you, actually, do you know what? I thought the team championships was really good. Other than people that worked on the show that we've spoken to. Before we started this podcast, what were sort of your memories and your sort of feelings on the team championships? They were a thing that happened. That's it. It was just, it was a, a different era of the show. That was it. I don't think I had any really strong feelings. It's amazing because I watched all of season three and I can't even remember disliking it that much, as much as people like to rag on Dex. And if you don't like Dex as a presenter, that's fine. That's okay. Don't take it out on the dude. He was just there doing a job. But that's fine if you don't like him. With the change in venue mid-season, which was done for purely practical reasons of, oh shit, the prison's becoming a real prison again, Having the team championship start then, whether by design or coincidence, works because it gives a very different feel to things. And of all the criticisms I have from my note-taking process of the first couple of episodes, and I do have criticisms, I actually dig the concept. The whole idea of having a team with a field of specialists on the team, although really I think you need more than three. Mm. They're kind of limiting what genres they're going to be playing. Nowadays, I'd go, let's have a team of four or a team of five. And you have a team captain and then you've got your fighter, you've got your puzzler, you've got your racer, you've got your platformer. You know, you've got all those bases covered. They didn't just pull anyone out of the crowd. They did a proper audition process. We saw it last week. All of the teams have some pros and cons, or at least their characters. Yeah. And, and we find out how they did getting into the championships as well, because... Dave Perry is our constant co-pilot for this, and he's got the tail of the tape. He's got all the info on all the teams from the audition process, which is great because he's able to go, ah, oh, well, this person's up on this challenge. At the auditions, they only just scrape through or any of the things that we've got coming up. Yeah, I mean, I will say Dave Perry might be my favorite thing about all of this. He really is. I really like him on commentary. He's very good in this. I'm also kind of okay with Dex on commentary in this. My biggest issue, and I'll just get it out of the way now because it's persistent through all the episodes I've watched so far, those two talk over each other so, so much. More here yeah. than has ever happened on Games Master before. And I don't think it's their fault because we're no longer in the Games Academy main. We're now in the Caretaker's Furnaces. I did like the fact that they tied them together. It's a very low ceiling. They have a lot of kids packed in there. It's a very small room. And you can tell how noisy it is by the fact that there is the return of one of my favorite bits of production tech that we've ever had on Games Master. 
It's the lip ribbon microphones. <laughs> yeah. You literally sent me a text message that just said, the lip ribbons are back. So excited by it because they're an iconic piece of broadcasting history. But also when you're in a really noisy environment like a football stadium or some other sports arena, motorsports, or, you know, a basement full of screaming kids, you kind of want that level of sound isolation. Now, whilst that means we can hear Dex and Dave, it doesn't mean that they can hear each other, particularly as Dave, even when he's raising his voice, is still very softly voiced. He still has a very level, soft tone. And I can imagine over the thunder of teenagers, that might be difficult to hear. So Dex thinks there's dead air, and Dex just runs with it and fills airtime. The biggest fault on this one is the production crew, mm. because they could have muted either of them in the edit. Yeah, like I feel that Dex and Dave are filling very different roles in their commentary as well, because Dave Perry is there to be the game's animal. He's there to be the expert. He's there to talk about how well they did in auditions. He's there to talk about the games, because he knows all about the games. Dex is there to almost just be a hype man. So what you have is you have Dave Perry talking about what the, they're doing as a play-by-play, but you've also got Dex in the background going like, Whoa, apples! Oh, the apples! There's some apples! Grab the apples! Go on, kid! Go get your apples! Get your apples, son! There's some apples! Watch out for that! There he's doing a jump there! Grab your apples! Pound a pound! <laughs> apples! Pound a pound! Exactly. All the while, while Dave is trying to do play-by-play commentary. I think that not, they don't have defined roles. Well, they, they, they do, but like they don't complement each other. And that's where I think that the commentary really falls apart in this. And as you say, they likely can't hear each other. So they just end up talking over each other. I think the first challenge in episode 14 is really egregious for it. So I don't think it's as bad in 13, but there are moments where you're like, oof, this is, it's hard to listen to. And for the most part, because of the lip ribbon microphones and because of how close they have to be, and also how infrequently we necessarily see Dex and Dave during the challenge gameplay, fuck man, they could have fixed it in the edit. it's something that we say all the time and you virtually never hear because if we say fix it in the edit that means one of us is fixing it in the edit there is no reason a tv production company couldn't have muted one mic or the other because dave is speaking coherently dex is speaking loudly but coherently they could have favored one over the other unless someone can tell us why they didn't do it someone in the production team it is one of those cases where I just don't understand why they did it. We, we've had a few over three seasons. This is not a season three issue. There's been a few occurrences where I don't understand why they didn't mute one thing or mic another or do something like that. In season one, it's because everything was new and they didn't know what they were doing. They were making this shit up as they go along. By the time they get to season three, it baffles me. Mm. It, it just absolutely baffles me. And this isn't to say I, this is my being negative on this entire episode, because I'm not. It's something that niggles at me as someone that does some level of audio or video production. I don't understand why if you had the ability, which they did, you wouldn't. I, I think for, for me with the, the team championships, it's not something that I particularly remember. I mean, I, I did watch it at the time, but I don't remember it sort of like whether I liked it or not then and there. What I do remember is when we started doing this podcast, was like looking ahead to future episodes. And I would just basically just pick out episodes at random. And a few people had mentioned the team championship. So I was like, well, do you know what? I love the idea of it in principle. So I'm going to go and give it a, you know, watch a couple of episodes of it. And I, I, I kind of actually really dug it because I like the fact that with series three, 
they had two series of this in the bag and they were like, you know what, let's change things up. We'll change the way that the the challenges work for the first half. Then with the second half, they were like, well, let's do a championship. It's an elimination tournament. There's multiple teams with multiple players. We can get loads of challenges there out there. And I like it in principle. I like it as an idea on paper. I don't think it's perfectly executed. I think that it has some flaws. It has some issues in there, which I'll I'll get into as we review the episode. But I do think it is something that had they stuck with it, they would have refined for a fourth series. They decided this is now the new format of Games Master because they kind of present it as this is what Games Master is now. You know, there's like, you're going to become the team champions. They kind of almost set it up as in like, come series four, the team championships will return, but it'll be a different set of teams. I think with some refinement, this could have been a really, really great idea. As it turns out, I think it's quite, it's messy at times. And I think the episodes cram way, way too much in there. I, I, I don't think it's, it's overall horrible. I mean, this is your standard 24-minute episode. I also sent you a message pointing out that when we get to the end credits, those credits are shorter. They've cut mm. a good 10, 15 seconds off. And it's like when you're shaving off seconds, you know that you're trying to cram a lot in. Because we're not just getting your challenges, your reviews, your consultation zone. We're getting three contestant challenges, a celebrity challenge, and your reviews and consultation zone, plus the whole introducing all of the teams. That's nine people to introduce, plus the extra little bits of Dave Perry being the analyst, being the kind of the facts and figures and the tale of the tape. All of this squashed into... 22 and a half minutes of actual broadcast time. I, I watched the episode 13, the episode that we're doing tonight. I watched it in two chunks um, when I was making my notes, because I, I think I was messaging you about this, but I like reviewed up to the, the FIFA challenge, the, the celebrity challenge. And then I went away and I did something else. And then I think I picked it up the following day to, to kind of finish up my note taking. When, you know, they've got four challenges, I could have sworn that there was no review zone. Because I was like, there's no way they like they must have excised the review zone to allow the fourth challenge in. And then when I went back and went, I was like, oh no, there was a review zone. Bloody hell, this episode is crammed full. We're getting into bad influence territory here. It is so quick. Yeah. It's not a boring episode to watch. None of the episodes <laughs> I've watched for my notes would I call boring. But all no, their faults. Absolutely not. It is exhausting. <laughs> yeah. And it, oh yeah, exhaust. We said this with with bad influence. We are very much showing our age here, but these are exhausting to watch and like taking notes for it as well for the podcast. Like, there's a lot of like pausing to write down the things that have happened and the things that have been said. Because as you say, a lot of people get spoken to. A lot of things happen. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to go through this because I'm curious to see how I feel about it now versus how I feel about it at the end. Like, come the end, am I going to be like? friggin hell i wish this thing would just end i cannot wait to get to series four or am i going to be like that was actually a really solid tournament i kind of wish it was series four but you know this is lazenby season this is one and done everything changes at the end of this season more so i think than actually everything changed at the beginning of this season i completely agree and this will not be in the final episode recap either games master presents the greatest video game championship in television history the games master team championship the championship consists of 27 teams picked from 5,000 applicants playing over nine heats, three semi-finals and one grand final. Each team contains
Game 3 players featuring platform beat-em-up and all-round experts. Each week, three teams play two challenges for points. The team with the lowest score is eliminated, whilst the remaining two battle it out for a place in the semi-final. The teams will be playing the newest and toughest games, many of which they've never seen before. And the competition winners? Well, they'll get the Amiga CD32, the 64-bit Atari, the latest IBM PC with the real magic card, and last but not least, the Philips CDI. So, let the games begin! So here's what you get if you win. You get an Amiga 32. An, At <laughs> an Atari Jaguar. A PC. 1993 standard, so... Probably still fairly shit, but easily the best of the bunch. Yeah, you'll get to run Doom on it at the very least. And the piece de resistance, the thing that they were like, and bloody hell, not only do you get all that, you also get the Philips CDI. Total fucking shit. I mean, I've just written here, oh dear. Like, it's, <laughs> as I said at the top of this, no one I've spoken to really likes the team championships. And I don't think any lineup of prizes could sum up the Games Master fan base's feelings on the team championships more than you get an Amiga 32, an Atari Jaguar, and a Philips CDI. Like, the three shittest consoles, and that's your big prize. Now, I am going to be the most devil's advocate devil's advocate I've ever goddamn been on this show. But in 1993, were those three shit? Because they were cutting edge. They were bleeding edge. Dude, like they're that they're huge. Those are huge prizes. Nineteen ninety three. Those are, like if it was an, a, a Mega Drive and a SNES, sure. Like now in twenty twenty one eyes, you'd say like, oh, those are brilliant prizes for nineteen ninety three because they've stood the test of time. The only reason we're sort of mocking them now is because we know what becomes of the Atari Jaguar and the Philips CDI. But like then in ninety three, yeah, it's it's cutting edge technology. Also expensive. I mean, I reckon with the PC. And of course, it's got that real video card in it, the one that we had the feature on a while back, plus the Amiga, plus the Jag, plus the CDI. That's probably two, two and a half grand's worth of gear. And you're getting one each. Three. Yeah. You take that, you sell it. That's your first car sorted. That's at least yeah. a decent mini. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. There's a good chunk of change there. Okay. In the red baseball caps, we've got the armchairs of Hertfordshire. Armchairs, what are your names? I'm Sean. I'm the team captain. Team captain? Anthony. Anthony. And I'm Chris. Chris. Okay. So, how do you think your team are going to do tonight, Sean? Well, we went to the auditions and we've seen them practicing. I think we've got the best chance. You think you've got the best chance? Well, oh, yeah. brave words. Yeah. Where are you going? All right. Let's go and meet the next team, see who you're up against. All right. Thank you, lads. This way. Excuse me. Excuse me. Through here. This way. Caretaker. Shuffle them back. I can't see anything. Bring me a light. I want to see these guys' faces back. Okay, what's your name? Assad, and I'm the team captain. Ah, you're Assad team captain? I'm Kaja. Kaja, yeah? And I'm David. David, so uh, you hired the last team, uh, the armchairs. Do you think you're going to do well? Well, I only got four words to say to you, Derek, and that's we're simply the best. Simply the best? My name's changed to Derek all of a sudden. My name's Dexter, actually. Let's go and meet the next team, because this geezer doesn't even know my name. Come on, everybody! And the final team in the green baseball caps come out of the Red Bridge Raiders. Good evening, gentlemen. So, do you want to tell us your names? Yeah, my name's Clem and I'm the team captain. Good man. Anil. Anil. Waleed. Waleed. All right, so you've heard the other two teams spout off. How do you think your team are going to do? No, you worried? No, we can beat them with our hands down. You're not scared? No, not all. And you've got all your supporters here tonight? Yeah. 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 Okay, well, good luck to you all. Now, part of the problem with the team championships is that not every kid is dynamic. Not every kid is a great interview. Some of them just go, yeah, we're good. And some of them just go, yeah, no, we're, we're really good. And then others 
are a bit more of the the Akbar, let's say, that we had back in episode one, which are just like, yeah, no, we're the best. They were going to win this hands down. And I, I think those ones have a bit more personality, a bit more character about them. I mean, of these three teams, first up, you've got the Harpertshire armchairs. Team captain is Sean, and he says they were at the auditions. They've seen the other teams practicing. They think they've got the best chance. Nice, flat, confident. Yeah. Moving to the Redbridge Raiders, who are last, Kaleem says he isn't scared. He thinks they can beat them. And they've got supporters with them. They've got a crowd. That's pretty cool. And then we move to the Turbo Destructors. <laughs> Assad, who's the team captain, says he only has four words. We're simply the best. Now that is a zippy line. Unfortunately, he says it to Derek. Luke, who is Derek? This kid does not know who Dexter Fletcher is, or does not know that his name is Dexter and just thinks that his name is Derek. And <laughs> I've got four words for you, Derek. And then it takes a little while for Dexter to process it, to be like, oh, he's just called me Derek. And he's like, who's Derek? This geezer doesn't even know my name. He either didn't know his name or he totally knew his name. <laughs> and this was someone trolling him. Dexter said the kids can be mean. Mm. And some kids didn't like him because he wasn't Dominic. I can entirely believe a kid would go, I'll fuck him up, I'll call him Derek. Didn't quite land in that way because he was just like, oh, this kid's stupid, he doesn't know my name. But it did unfortunately ruin what could have been the best one-line promo of the three. Yeah. Four words, we're simply the best. I thought all three of these teams, or at least their team captains, came across pretty well in this one. They did okay. Do you want to hear my first uh, suggestion to improve the team championships? What's that? Only have two teams per show. And just have it as points, points for all yeah. three games. And I'd have it as points for all three games because the way that this works is that you do two challenges and then the team with the least points gets eliminated to lead you into the final round, which is always a beat-em-up, which is one-on-one -on -one action. So that, that mm. totally works. I get that. But when you've got the three teams, that means that inevitably there's going to be one player that does not get to play. Perhaps I am just looking at this from sort of a fairness thing. Ah, oh, that kid came all the way here, didn't even get to play a game. That's unfair. But also, I just feel like it, it's kind of structured better if it's just the same teams going against each other. And then you do get to see all three of those players on their speciality in three challenges. Yeah, I can see that. You'd have had to have cut the number of teams, I think. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They started with 5,000 and they got down to this, what, loose, roughly 100? Probably 100 because you know what? They'd have had a couple of spares. Not teams, mm. just people that they could go, uh, Jeff didn't turn up. Hey, guess what? You're now from Luton. But let's get on with the first challenge of the evening. What are we playing, Games Master? For my platform challenge, I've selected Aladdin for the Sega Mega Drive. The task is to collect as many apples as you can in 45 seconds, avoiding all the pedals of the very difficult escape level. For this challenge, I'll award five points to the person who collects the most apples, Two points for the runner-up, and zero for the loser. All that remains for me to say is, I declare the championships open. It's the good version of the game. We're playing Aladdin on the Mega Drive with the simple, don't put your finger up at me, uh, with the simple challenge of just collect as many apples as you can in 45 seconds. You're in that cave level, which is a bit of a bugger. Uh, five points to the winner, two points to second, nothing for the losers. It's the better version. It's the, yeah, it is the better version. You said the good version. The SNES version is still good. Yeah, okay. It's the best version then. Yeah, no, I'm fine with the best version, but saying it's the good version is saying the SNES version is sh**. It's not. It's just the Mega Drive version is better. 
Yeah, I, I think that, that's fair. Well, it, it gets reviewed next week, so we'll let Games Master decide. But yeah, we've talked about a lot about Aladdin uh, over the last couple of weeks. It's the big film at the moment. It's the big game release. We saw the SNES version at Games Master Live 93. I love this game. It's nails. Never finished it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the SNES version, apples are a weapon. Mm -hmm. And it's the same in the Mega Drive one as well. So rather than score you on diamonds and treasures, they are essentially scoring you on collecting ammo. And I guess that they've done that because there's more of it on the level than there is uh, the diamonds. You just have to hope no one accidentally throws them because otherwise, <laughs> I mean, it would be actually kind of funny. Yeah. I, I would I would probably get a chuckle at that. And believe me, this challenge gave me at least one good solid guffaw. Oh, <laughs> oh, it does. Uh, we'll get to that in a, in a little while. I um, I didn't actually own this game. Uh, I played it once at, um, I remember my parents went round to like a, th their friend's house and th for a dinner party thing. And I went with them because they also had kids around my age and they had uh, Aladdin on the Mega Drive. So that was the first time I got to play it. It was until like later in life that I actually really got to, I got, you know, I got my own copy of it and played it. And yeah, it's, it's absolutely nails. Like the, the lava level where you're on the magic carpet is really hard. But the hardest level for me is when you're in the dungeon because it's so dark and the background looks exactly like the foreground and there's a lot of stuff in the background that hurts you. It's really difficult to get through. I'll be honest, I've played the Mega Drive version. I've played the SNES version more and I don't think I ever played the Mega Drive version on a traditional TV. It's mm -hmm. been emulation and flat screens, really. So while I know what you mean about the dungeon level, it is dark. I don't know. I feel on a flat screen on modern televisions, while it's dark, obviously the color differentiation is better. So it's a yeah. little bit easier in that regard. So the game is Aladdin. They've got 45 seconds to collect as many apples as they possibly can. Now the armchairs of Hertfordshire have got their man Anthony in position. What's his form like then, Dave? Well, Anthony just about scraped through in the audition, but he'd be advised to take his time on this one because the object is to collect things, not to race through. This is where we get to see our first part of Dave Perry as the, uh, the analysis man that he is. Talking about Anthony from the armchairs, who's up first. Just about scraping through the auditions, which I find interesting to be just like yeah this kid actually wasn't that great like he just about got through i mean he had to be good enough to get you know through the five thousand, but he just got through here so let's see how he does on this challenge i like all of this stuff from dave it's great it gives the kids more personality than some of the kids actually have yeah and anthony who is up first he's uh, he's pretty good at this like he you know he's, he's certainly solid uh at playing the game his only problem that he has really is that he just misses this one crucial jump in fact actually david of the destroyers misses it as well which is if he'd have jumped just a frame later he'd have got up onto a platform where there's like six apples up there as it turns out he jumps slightly too early so he just catches one of them with you know his uh box frame and then just has to run across. And he, he missed a couple like along the way. He gets 13 at the end, but I think he could have got more because there's some that he just accidentally jumps over and just misses. But he does. I think he does the right thing, which is just always run straight ahead rather than going back for any that he'd missed. If you go back, as we see in some other challenges, it can actually prove more perilous than it's worth. We don't see it this episode, but a future episode when people go back for things, it spells disaster. It, it's not a good turnaround. And they spell disaster for you as sacrifice! Yeah, I thought he did pretty well in this, especially because it must have been really difficult to concentrate because it is so loud. Yeah, Those kids is. are going batshit. 
And they probably are going just as batsh as they did in the old Upstairs Games Academy, but there's nowhere for the sound to go, so it just echoes and yeah. echoes. Jump the chasm, that's always the tricky part, just getting over there. The things to look out goes. for are the Aladdin's lamp in the top left-hand corner, that's his life force. Here comes the, the apples in the bottom right-hand corner. Run. That's what he's got to collect in 45 seconds, as many apples as possible. And you're in like this, like, dungeon chamber thing. Like, it's a really, like, it's quite a cool setting, really. Like, it's, you're surrounded by these four walls with grates on either side and kids just sort of, like, shouting at you all the way through while you're just trying to stare at this. It must be quite an intimidating way to play a game. Absolutely. I mean, you don't know what those kids are shouting or what they're saying. I mean, yeah, kids can be horrible. Uh, so credit to any challenger that keeps their cool. Like David, David certainly keeps his call. Who's from the Destroyers, who's oh, second. Like he again misses that platform with about the top five, six apples up there. But he kind of plays it a little bit smart. Like he's running from the boulder as his time is running out. But he knows that he just needs to get more than 13. So at one point, relatives, he's on 13. And he can just jump back, grab a, uh, the 14th apple and take the death. But it's fine because he's definitely got more than Anthony from the armchairs. So even if uh, the kid from the Turbo Destructors gets more, he's at least going to get second place. Speaking of the kid from the Turbo Destructors, how does he do, Luke? Next up, we've got Waleed of the Red Bridge Raiders. Waleed's obviously got everything to play for. Waleed, start your challenge! So Waleed leaps up in the air. He's away. He, he leaps down the chasm. That's an appalling example that of That is so playing. bad news for Waleed. Uh, have we got a Hall of Shame? Yeah, I think we must have, and that's definitely going to go down as the number one spot. Not great. He jumps straight at the lava and gets zero apples. It's like a shit version of the end of Terminator 2. It's proper funny, though, isn't it? Oh, God, it's hilarious. I felt bad for him. Yeah. Because he's never going to live that down. He looks as if, look, look into a production staff as if, can I get a do over? Alex Berry told the story in Retro Gamer that when he did the Sonic challenge back in episode two of series one, the very first thing that he did was he ran into a bad nick and got zero rings and they let him have another crack at it. And this lad here does not get that benefit. He jumps in the lava, gets nothing, and that is it. And it is just, it's just poor timing on his jump right at the start. But this version of Games Master is brutal, where there's like, you've got to be good at these games. There's no do-overs. There's no hand-holding. You're either good or you're not. And this kid, unfortunately, on this day, was not. I mean, fair credit to them. They are, as far as we know, they're playing this challenge straight. As a tournament, you have to. Because also, that many kids doing the challenge, one of those kids would have blabbed. It would have been yeah. running in the sun. Also, like, if, if, you, if they then did better, you'd be like, well, I want another shot as well. One thing this challenge did show off, yes, it is definitely the better version of the game because, man, oh, man, you can see that Disney animation shining through. Last thing to talk about Aladdin before we do move on uh, from this is uh, 10, no, 11 years ago now, I had a fledgling career where I thought I could be on YouTube uh, doing videos about games because. Everyone did. Everyone saw the success of ABGN before we all realized it was a bit of a prick, Doug Walker. And we all thought, I could do that. I could just emulate the games. I can do this sort of thing. And so I did. And I made a series that I was calling um, uh, Retrospective. Retrospective. Which is a completely unoriginal title. I was doing the uh, Sega Mega Drive A through Z, where I was going to play a Mega Drive game from each corresponding letter A through Z. I ended up only doing two videos. I did one on Alien 3 with an addendum 
for Aladdin. It is still on YouTube. It's not good. It's edited on Windows Movie Maker. Classic. Right? Because that was the editing software that I had available to me. I make absolutely no interesting points whatsoever. I am going to drop some of the audio in now so you can hear how pretty naff it is. But one game that does deserve a quick mention for this letter category is Disney's Aladdin. Aladdin is legendary within the Mega Drive back catalogue for being one of its strongest and best looking platformers. And indeed it is. Those that played Earthworm Jim should feel a slight level of familiarity as they play almost exactly the same. But it's such a well-rounded game with great visuals, ace-level design, and superb MIDI renditions of the film's infamous soundtrack that the similarities can be overlooked. And yeah, it, it's on there. The Alien 3 one isn't much better. I didn't do B, but B was going to be Boogerman. I can tell you that much, and then I just never got round to it. Maybe you could start it back up again, with all that spare time you have already doing a full-time <laughs> job on a podcast. No, there are times where I'm like, oh, I wish I could do more video stuff like that. But I'm like, I haven't got the time, mate. I haven't got to... what I was like. I really enjoyed was cutting out uh, clips from Games Master and editing those into little short video things I could put on Twitter and onto our Instagram page. I haven't got time to do that anymore either. And I'd love to do more of those. And you know what? Through the entire past 12 months, people have been going, oh, you have more time. No, no, we don't. <laughs> I've got way less time now. I've got way less time and I've actually got all the equipment that I need to properly do it. <laughs> and this time, now I haven't got the time. Exactly the same. Oh, it's frustrating. Isn't it just? Okay, let's check out the scoreboard. We've got the Turbo Destructors. They came first with 14 apples. That means they got a healthy five points. Following closely behind was the armchairs from Hertfordshire. They scored 13 apples. That means they get two points. And the Redbridge Raiders got zilch apples. That means they got zilch points. Yep, they got a lot of catching up to do. Would you like to hear my next constructive criticism on how to improve the team championships? Lay it on me, daddy-o. A better scoring system. Because the winners get five, second place gets two, last place gets zero. That means that if you come first in the round one, you're guaranteed to make it through to round three, which then means that the others who are just facing off in the second round for whoever is going to get through into the final challenge, which then renders the pointing system a little bit pointless. See, I'm just going through in my head trying to work out if there's a situation where they couldn't, unless there is a draw for first place. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we'll get to that. Maybe that will happen at some point when we, uh, the more we encounter this. But I did write it down because I was in my head. It's like, am I right on this? So yeah, like if, Team one scores five points, team two scores two, team three scores zero. If team three score five points in the next round and team one score nothing, team three and team one will both have five points and team two will just have two. And then it even works if it's team two get five points because they'll be on seven and team one will still be on five and team three will only ever be on two. So it just sort of, like, it never really, I think my problem with it is that it doesn't feel like there's enough jeopardy in the point system in order for it to really matter. And the problem is, even if you made it 5-2-1... It's the five points that's the problem. It's because there's a, there's a three-point disparity between first and second place that second and third place can never then get back to. So 3-2-1 and one would have been better. Yes, because at least then there is some jeopardy going into challenge two to make the elimination portion a bit more uh, exciting and enticing. Well, I guess the rabbit's out of the hat now because now most people know as soon as anyone gets five points in the first round, they're through. That's it. That's it, yeah. We can go home, Luke. We can leave the rest of the season. <laughs> it's fine. One of the Amiga's top football games gets converted across to the Mega Drive. How does this affect the brilliant gameplay of Sensible? Renegade have made a corking job of this conversion. They use the three buttons on the Sega pad to real effect to make it a game of passing, banana shots, 
everything basically. There are three new levels of play, easy to expert, which means if you're new to the game, you're not going to be humiliated too often by crushing defeats. It's a wonderful game. It's the best soccer game around, anywhere, any place, any time. They come, they go, soccer games that is, Sensible's going to stay. The only thing unsensible about this game is if you don't buy it. Well, despite the fact I thought this feature had been excised from the show, the review zone is still here, and we've got Steve Merritt from Megatech, Jeremy Doldry, games expert, Brad Burton, our favourite from Over the Edge, and Frank O'Connor from Total. And first up on the chopping board, oh, it's, I mean, we had FIFA last week, which is like, you know, that's the new king of football games. But Sensible Soccer is here, and Sensible Soccer is not messing around. No, this is a Mega Drive port. It was made by Renegade Software, who, you know, no strangers to Games Master, not at all. And Steve Merritt is straight in there with praising them for their conversion. And you know what? This is the first version of Sensible Soccer I remember playing. And it's probably joint favourite with the SNES, because mm-hmm. the SNES version was the first Sensible Soccer that I owned. I don't think I got as much out of the SNES version because I was playing it at home by myself. And don't get me wrong, Sensi is a great single-player game. Yeah. It's a better multiplayer experience. But when I was around my mates and I was playing it on the Mega Drive, oh, days, days of fun over the summer playing this game, over Christmas, over goodness knows what else. I'm fairly certain I went round to a friend's house on Boxing Day to play Hmm. this which I'm astounded either my or his parents allowed that to happen because it's, it's Boxing Day, yeah. mate. That's family time, mate. An interesting point from Jeremy where he says that, you know, this is a wonderful game. It's the best around. Bearing in mind that we had FIFA the previous week. I don't know, obviously, when they, you know, these, what order this was recorded in, but I would have very much liked that conversation of, like, what is the better game like for you to buy, buy for your Mega Drive? Because you've got two absolutely corkers here in sensible soccer and fifa which one should you be asking for christmas i mean i would put neither on my christmas list because at this point what platform's fifa on luke it's on the mega drive what platform sensi on luke uh was on the mega drive and the amiga we've got sensi reviewed on the mega drive we've got fifa reviewed on the mega drive the snes i'm stuck with super soccer which is bollocks well i mean you've also got a game boy maybe there'll be a good football game on the game boy you don't know you are cruel at times, you know that. <laughs> that blonde menace, Dennis, is always causing trouble in the movie, gets to cause trouble in his own game. Can Dennis cause a stir in over 20 levels of platform action? Ever had the feeling of deja vu? Well, you will with this one. Dennis is another retread of the Adams Family motif as we come out collecting coins again. The graphics are nice to look at, but the collision detection is awful. Yeah, been there, done it, seen it, tried it, boring. Avoid it, one. I mean, you may not be able to get Sensible Soccer for the Mega Drive, but you could get Dennis, which is uh, based on the new hit movie that isn't Home Alone. Now, this is Dennis the Menace. In America, yes, but we got it changed over here because we've got a different Dennis the Menace, which I didn't like. I didn't know that the Americans had their own one. I, I remember learning that from a Saturday morning like kids show when this film was coming out. Dennis the Menace is probably one of my top two favourite pieces of evidence that I hold as proof that there are parallel universes and sometimes the fabric between them is very thin to the point that there is what I would call seepage. Mm -hmm. The other is Steve Jackson. Steve Jackson, part of Games Workshop, created Fighting Fantasy with Ian Livingstone. Other Steve Jackson in America with GURPS and Munchkin and all that lot. Completely separate (laughs) Steve Jacksons, but both 
got their start in gaming in the same year and both moved into gaming completely separate of each other because this is the 1970s this is pre-internet they just happen to become two massively influential people in gaming of all kinds mm. even more confusing american steve jackson wrote books for british steve jackson's <sighs> fighting fantasy series and there was no differentiation done on the covers it was steve jackson and steve jackson moving back to dennis it's exactly the same thing because dennis was a character in america dennis was a character in england dennis in america and in england both debuted on march the 12th 1951 bloody hell there is no plausible evidence that this could be plagiarism because again pre-internet pre-reliable transatlantic phone calls television was around but they weren't gonna be going oh in england fleetway or whoever was publishing the beano in 1951 are bringing out a comic called beano starring dennis the menace and then someone in america goes well by jingo i've got three weeks to come up with a competing character now they're both called dennis the menace i suppose from a rhyming name point of view it's not that surprising that these two would exist but they are very different characters dennis the menace america the one that this game is based on is a good kid he's mischievous and he gets into scrapes and he terrorizes his neighbor mr wilson mr wilson dennis the menace in england is to be blunt a bully yeah yeah and his, his, his dog is mean yeah he beats up a character called walter the softy dennis the menace as much as i loved the beano growing up and i did i was a beano kid and a dandy kid i loved dennis the menace and it is only looking back at it now that i go it's a character trait that's not aged well they have softened him over times so he's no longer called dennis the menace it's now dennis and nasher <laughs> and he's not quite as much of a bully he's still mischievous in fact he probably has more in common now with american dennis however I do remember Dennis, the American Dennis, that is, from this movie and also the Saturday morning cartoon. So when this movie came out, I remember a trailer being shown on, on a Saturday morning show or whatever it was, or like a movie review show. I was at my nan's house and it was the American trailer where they called it Dennis the Menace. And I remember saying to my mum, oh, wow, they've made a Dennis the Menace movie, thinking it's my Dennis the Menace from the Beano. And my mum had to explain to me, no, that's a different character. And then she kind of says, in America, Dennis the Menace is this different thing. It kind of blew my mind a little bit, which is why, yeah, here it's just simply Dennis, as not to confuse the British audience. And effectively, this Dennis movie is just, well, Home Alone was a big hit, so can you make us Home Alone, please? Yeah, it, the movie itself is not bad. It's actually one of the better cartoon or comic to film adaptions at the time and it's weird because a lot of times i forget that it is actually a comic book adaptation because dennis mm. started as a newspaper strip really solid cast really solid cast um well directed yes it is very home alone a uh, a homeless burglar finds the town via a railroad and starts doing what homeless burglars do he starts burglarizing he's called switchblade sam and the general aim of the game is you as dennis have to rescue your friends from switchblade sam as well as the coin collection of the previously mentioned mr wilson 
Yeah, I mean, th this game is it's quite well known, sort of like within gaming communities, because it's not very good. And um, AVGN did a video on it um, as part of um, James and Mike Mondays, because it is like it's actually very very tough, and it almost feels a bit aimless uh, as a game as well. Um, I suppose the sort of you know its most notable thing is that it's got a digitized Walter Matthau in it. There aren't many games that can lay claim to having a digitized Walter Matthau on it. Uh, who? Man, what an amazing piece of casting as Mr. <laughs> Wilson. But in this review, they go, oh, look, it's another Adams Family game. And they're right because it's another Ocean Software shovelware movie tie-in license. Exactly. Take character, collect thing, finish level. And looking at this game, I can entirely believe we've seen a bit of sprite swappery going on. Although Adams Family, way better collision detection. Oh, and, and just overall a better game because at least it's exploring like it's exploring the house exploring the gardens and stuff but yeah this Dennis movie uh, I remember it being like there was just a period of time in the 90s where the Home Alone movie was like it was everywhere it was every studio was trying to find their version of Home Alone whether it's uh, it's this it's Richie Rich it's Blank Check uh, from Disney which I, actually, I, I think is, is, is a pretty decent attempt but yeah, it just felt like a lot of these kids' movies at the time were just like, and the kids then set traps for the uh, adults to fall into, and then one of the kids looks at them and says, that's gotta hurt, because they've probably just been hit in the nuts. Ah, <sighs> 1993 comedy. Choose between 16 international teams to see if you can do any better than England's feeble effort on the Game Boy's new game, Goal. It's a brave move to try and bring that football game on the Game Boy. It'd be nice to say Goal succeeded, but unfortunately... It doesn't. The graphics are confusing and blurred. Goal is a real letdown. It's the barnet of football games, in fact. It's terrible. It's impossible to see where the ball is. As a result, it's a complete no-hoper from the start. Just avoid it. And lastly, I said that you were looking for a Game Boy football game. Uh, you've got Goal here. Uh, is it any good? No. No, not at all. Uh, Jeremy Doldry says that it's brave, but certainly doesn't succeed. The graphics are confusing and blurred. Uh, I like Steve calling it the Barnet of football games um, with Frank O'Connor just appearing right at the end to tell you to avoid it 37% for goal on the Game Boy Oof, it's, it's been a bad run of form for goal hasn't it? It has and i tell you what it's unfair to compare it to Barnet because Barnet are a better football team than this is a game by a country mile and whilst this is titled goal for the Europe one of the few bits of info I've got about it is this was actually a port of Jaleco's Japanese football release, J-Cup Soccer, on the Game Boy. Yeah, I assumed it was a Jaleco one just because it was called Gulp. I just assumed that it was the same one. That's pretty much all I could find about it. There isn't much out there. I got the text from the back of the box. I'm not even going to read it out because the text is more interesting than the game. And I just think <laughs> that's wrong. Well, that's enough from the review zone then. It's time for our second challenge. What are we playing, Games Master? The sport sim I've selected is the exciting skiing game Valdez Air for the Super Nintendo. The challenge is to snowboard down the twisting slalom course in the quickest time. Make sure that you ski between all the gates as two seconds will be added to your time for every gate missed. Again, I'll award five points for victory, two points for second place, and nothing for the loser. One little warning. I do hope our contestants haven't been out on the piste too much while practicing, as this challenge will require perfect timing 
and lightning reactions. So we're playing Valdesair Championship on the Super Nintendo, or if you're an American, Tommy Moe's Winter Extreme Skiing and Snowboarding. Snappy little title, that. Must be the 90s, we're extreme. Extreme. Yeah, Valdesair Championship, uh, a word I did have to Google. Um, and find out how to spell it. Uh, but yeah, this is the slalom level. Just get the best time. Gamesmaster just gives you the one warning of that this requires perfect timing and lightning reactions. If you do miss a gate, it's a two-second penalty. Most confusing thing at the moment for me about this challenge is Luke. It's the second challenge of the episode. Where are the celebrities? <laughs> I know, right? The structure of this episode, and it screwed up my notes because normally I make a template for my notes and I've had to completely redo my template now because my template does not work for the latter half of season three. It's very inconvenient. It, it's very inconvenient. It, it, I'm, I'm going to write and complain. I wish they'd have thought of that when they were making the show in 1993, that podcasters in 2021 were going to have to make notes watching a YouTube rip of this. Do you know what? As far ahead of the game as they were, they just weren't far enough ahead. It's, it's no. disappointing, and quite frankly, I think it's a black mark against them. Yeah, I think so. I'm actually taking 5% off my score just off, off the basis of that. Other than the name change, there's not much too interesting to say about this game that I found. It is in Chris Scullion's book on Super Nintendo, the SNES encyclopedia, if you will. And their little side fact there is that Tommy Moe took part in the 1994 Winter Olympics in Lillehammer and picked up two medals, a silver in the Super G event and a gold in downhill. Now, I don't know what the Super G event is, but I'm going to assume it involves uh, snowboarding down the back of Godzilla. That's what I would assume as well, yeah. It's got to be an Olympic sport. I just hmm. I can't see it any other way. OK, so the game is snowboarding on Val d'Azair. Anil's up first for the Red Bridge Raiders. They came last in the first heat, so they've got everything to play for on this one. Well, Anil of the Raiders is up first. Now, his team came last in the first round, so it's really like it, they, they've got a lot to prove in order to... And they have to do well here otherwise they're going home and you know he does pretty well he only misses two of the gates he does get a two second penalty to get 39.12 seconds doesn't feel like it's a terrible score but it does feel like it could certainly be improved upon yeah i mean dave does say that the danger in this game is if you wiggle too much i mean there's a lesson for life in itself but if mm. you wiggle too much you start cutting into the snow and that slows you down but you gotta wiggle because if you don't wiggle you don't steer as the Games Master says, every time you hit or miss one of those gates, it's two seconds. It's two seconds added to your time. So even if you cross that line and you think, ooh, that's a good time, not when the penalties get added, you get proper screwed. But it felt like a pretty good run. Like Without any yeah. foreknowledge of what's about to come, I'd say hmm, that seems fairly comfortable. Yeah, I've never seen this game before, so it looked like it was a fairly solid run. Sean Seabrook in the armchairs is up next. What's the SP on him, Dave? Well, Sean claims to have completed Sonic 2 within two hours of having bought it, but who doesn't? Well, let's hope it's a serious challenge for him. Um, I would imagine Sean C uh, of the armchairs is going to be much quicker, though, because he beat Sonic 2 in two hours of getting it. Uh, but as Dave Berry then snidely remarks, but then again, who didn't? I know a bloke who hated this. But yeah, I, anyway, he's got that speed of Sonic because he's much faster at this than Anil is, although he does miss three gates uh, to give him a time of 38.92. So even though he uh, it was a you know three gates, that's six extra seconds on, 
38.92 is a very, very good score. But blimey, 0.2 of a second in it. God, mm-hmm. that's that's tight. But Assad of the Turbo Destructors is up last. And essentially, I mean, according to Dave Perry, he gets a perfect score. 34 seconds, no gates missed. Like he just absolutely bombs it down this thing. And yeah, as you say, he gets 34 dead on. It's really, really smooth. I think it's about time we went and checked out the scoreboard. The Raiders scored naught in the first round and naught in this round. That means they've got zilch. Second place is the armchairs. They got two in the first round and two in this heat as well. That means they got a massive four. And the turbo destructors are the team to beat with a massive ten points. Well done, armchairs. Well done, turbo lot. Now, Colleen, team captain of the Redbridge Raiders, got blown out. You gutted? Yeah, I am, actually. These two people are so sad, both of them. Easy. I'm not sad. I'm not sad. It was very close, 0.2 seconds. What could I say? Yeah, but your team captain didn't even get to play. Just stupid, man. He doesn't deserve to play. I can play better with my eyes. your standards nowhere near high enough we're gonna have to get a caretaker to expel you from the academy and kaleem of the redbridge raiders does not look pleased about this result no sir he did not get to play his game instead his teammates kind of bollocks it up for him and he looks proper pissed off about it he calls them sad luke he does he's like my teammates are sad such a wonderful 90s insult you're you're sad mate Anil says it was like 0.2 seconds, very close, and he's right. It was very close. Technically, he raced a better race, mm-hmm. you know, because he had less penalties. He had two. Sean had three. It was just Sean was quicker getting down there. Dex immediately helps pour gasoline on the flyer by pointing out that the team captain didn't even get to play, at which point Kaleem calls his teammate stupid and a shoving match breaks out. Yeah, he says, like, I could have played that game better with my eyes closed and then just starts pushing them. They are both sort of like having a laugh about this. So I think it is all in good fun. But yeah, that Kaleem kid looks proper narked that his teammates did so poorly. When he's acting pissed off, it's a bit smiley and jokey. But when he's not acting like kind of shovey, he just looks genuinely fucked <laughs> off. He looks like he's, he's not a happy look. And I don't blame him. I don't blame his teammates either. Because oh, I mean, you, you, you can't blame his first teammate. You can't blame Wally for just jumping straight into the lava. I mean, you jumped in there before I said except. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. Okay, in part two, we're going to have the armchairs and the turbo destructors battling out for a place in the championship semi-finals. And if that's not good enough for you, we've got a celebrity challenge that's to die for. So keep it locked and don't go away. We'll be back soon. ago, Ford were the first to introduce options, a new way to drive a new Ford. With a simple deposit and installments, over 60,000 customers are now driving a new Ford through options. It puts you in control. At the end of an agreed period, you have three options. One, pay the final balance to keep the car. Two, give it back to Ford and walk away. Or three, allowing for the balance, part exchange it for a new Ford. So. If you want to get in the driving seat, you should find out more about options. The smart way to drive a new Ford. In this quiet neighborhood, there lives a kid named Dennis. He is warm. You need an aspirin. Watch out for the kid who's causing all the excitement. A classic kid. A classic comedy. Dennis. That's me. A John Hughes production. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Philips invents the compact disc, and music enters the digital age. Now Philips invents the Compact Disc Interactive and the digital age comes to video entertainment with interactive games, information, entertainment and films. All with pure digital sound and stunning video images. Philips invents CDI, the ultimate machine for compact discs and amazing pictures. Philips invents for you. Spot the ball on four as Tuesday sees travels a la carte sampling the freeze-dried delights of Norway. Yum, yum. More cult viewing in Brookside. Beth, what? Will Mandy pop the question? It's making women less independent, not more independent. The Child Support Act and Women Rappers, two diverse topics tackled by First Sex. Thankfully, football free Tuesday from eight on four. from the ad break and it's time for our celebrity challenge what are we playing games master i am pleased to announce the first part of my very special celebrity soccer championship tonight's contestants will face each other on the realistic football simulation fifa soccer for the mega drive i have selected brazil and holland for the first round whoever comes out on top of the two halves of end-to-end -end action qualifies for a chance to win my golden joystick in a fortnight I want 110% from both my contestants. Yeah, we've got three weeks of FIFA International Soccer on the Mega Drive. It was reviewed in a previous episode. The big motherfucker of football games is here now on the Mega Drive, and it is a wonderful little time. This is a very, very 90s segment. Like the, the, the football stars that we have featured on this as well are very, very 90s. And yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in for this, man. I'm really down for it. As soon as this came up when I was making my notes and as soon as you started talking about it now, all I can hear in my head, even though it's from years in the future, is Badil, Skinner and the lightning seeds. It's coming up. And 
watching this game makes me want to play FIFA again. Yeah, I mean, I had a wonderful time with this challenge, just watching them play the game, because it did make me very nostalgic for playing FIFA. Because I, as I said on a previous episode, my brother got this for Christmas 93, and we played the absolute shit oh, out of it. Please welcome, if you will, QPR's top scorer, Les Ferdinand, and Wimbledon soccer psycho, Vinnie Jones! Yeah. A lot of fans here tonight. So, uh, let's, we all know Vinny's reputation. You're a bit intimidated in yeah, I am a little bit. For this yeah. challenge, yeah? yeah sure. And uh, Vinny, so do you play a lot of computer games yourself? No, little girl's got a few computer games, you know. And just yeah. cost me a lot of money. I'll never get them back. <laughs> You're not going to say that. I'm playing this game. We've got Vinny Jones, old favourite of the show, old favourite of our bonus podcast after his turn on the Gladiators, Battle of the Gladiators special. And with him, is Les Ferdinand, or in my head, because I grew up with a taped copy of Bottom Live 2, Les Beau Ferdinand. Have you ever seen Bottom 2? <laughs> of course I've seen Bottom Live 2. Richie and Eddie have their sex dolls. <laughs> Richie's is called Harmonica, and Eddie's is called Les Ferdinand. Uh, mm. I mean, <laughs> Les Beau Ferdinand. <laughs> Yeah, Vinnie Jones, his third appearance in under-consultation history, including the uh, Battle of the Gladiators, he was in Series 2. And, you know, he's on track near to be a, a two-time Golden Joystick winner, which will join the ranks of Shadow. But do you know what? Despite the fact that he's already won a joystick, despite the fact at this point he will have filmed, I suspect, Battle of the Gladiators, and despite the fact he's wearing quite a nice-looking top, he's still, right at this point, a moody bugger. Like, he's yep. got that intensity. I think maybe sometimes he's deliberately trying to look mean. Other times, he's just got resting bitch face. Yeah, I think at this point, Vinny's definitely playing up to it. We saw that in Battle of the Gladiators, which you can hear over on patreon.com forward slash under console pod. Um, I think he's playing like, you know, he's chewing his gum here. They ask him if he's played games, which, you know, he got asked in series two and he said that he did. But here he's like, no, I don't. But my little girl's got them. So it just cost me loads of money, which I thought was a really nice line. I love that. That got a good laugh out of me because also we know he's no slouch on video games. He's not sleeping on them. So maybe that was a bit of psyching out Les. I mean, as a footballer, Les is no slouch either. He played for QPR. He played for Newcastle United, Tottenham Hotspur, West Ham, Leicester City, Bolton, Reading and Watford. He earned 17 caps for England. That's a lot of caps. I need like one or two max. I'm not a cap person. Now, if he'd won 17 knitted beanies, then we'd be talking. That's some comfort right there. But he's the eighth highest scorer in the history of the Premier League with 149 goals, and he contributed a further 49 assists in the division. He was also made an MBE in 2005. Thanks, Wikipedia. I, uh, I had a Les Ferdinand figure because uh, for they did the Euro 96 team. They had those little, like, Miniature, do you remember these little miniature figure things that they did? They were on a little green basis and they had giant heads. I absolutely do. Yeah, he got them down at Sainsbury's. I had a Les Ferdinand, one of those. And although he wasn't like a regular fixture of the England team for the Euro 96 squad, I, I, you know, he was on the bench and he was part of the team. He was part of the 22. And also, Games Master wants 110% from both competitors. But as we know, that's, that's impossible. impossible. No, no one can give more than 100%. By definition, that is the most anyone can give. Also interesting to note that uh, Vinnie Jones and Dexter Fletcher, five years from now, will be co-stars in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. That's very, very true. You know what? I just recently grabbed some fresh HD copies of Lock, Stock and Snatch, and I think they're definitely due a rewatch. I love Lockstock, 
but I actually think I prefer Snatch now because it's just a bit more chaotic. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I bloody love Snatch. I think it's such a great film. Lockstock, I, I've got a lot of love for because there's certain parts of it that I can just do verbatim because I watched that film so much. And me and my mate Adam absolutely loved it. He had the soundtrack and everything that had like clips from the movie. We used to just listen to those clips every, like over and over again. Yeah, there are certain parts of those movies, particularly when everyone's getting shot. I can't fucking believe this. Could everyone stop getting shot? Uh, yeah, there's, there's certain parts that I could just, I could probably do verbatim. We grow copious amounts of guns. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you're walking around with a stoned girl on your arm, carrying a bag of fertilizer. Alarm bells are ringing. You don't look like your average hoarder fucking culturalist. That's what I mean, Willie. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one that sticks in my head. Yeah, that's on the soundtrack, I think. Because <laughs> also, Teen Me had never seen that amount of cannabis in his life. <laughs> I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> that's a lot of drugs. So, Vinny and Les have taken their position at the console. They're playing the first round of our FIFA Soccer Challenge. The winner of tonight's challenge is going to come back in two weeks' time for the final. Now, Dave, who's your favourite then? Well, I'm putting my money on Vinny Jones's tenacity for this one. Yeah, I reckon you're just playing it safe, Dave. <laughs> uh, so anyway, onto the challenge. Uh, Vinny is playing as Holland. Les is playing as Brazil. Vinny scores very early, and it's a great goal as well. Really, really good goal to kick things off. But I think Dave Perry is starting to get a bit knocked on commentary about the way that these two players are playing because they're not passing, they're just getting the ball and shooting. Doesn't matter where they are in the field, doesn't matter how far away they are from the penalty box, doesn't matter how far away they are from the goal, they're getting the ball and they're throwing it at the keeper. It's just a long, hopeful shot. There's two, two competitors have got to get a little bit closer and choose their shots a little bit more carefully. It's the sort of tactic that would never work in real life, but in a video game, it's absolutely fair game. And I think Dave just needs to temper it a bit because it may not be the most graceful or tactical football we will ever get on games master it's fun mm. and vinny's smiling or he has trapped gas could be either but they both seem to be having fun yeah it's really good uh vinny hits the post but then scores as two nil at the end of the first half and dave does say that vinny is brimming with confidence or he's got gas <laughs> could go either way could um, go either way Les does get a few shots in. You know, Brazil are certainly no slouches in there. But like, what I love about this is they keep cutting back to Les and Vinny playing the game. And they're both just laughing. And they're both just having this great time playing this game. Um, yeah, Les gets a couple of chances in this half, but it's all over. Holland wins 2-0. I will say, though, just as the final whistle blows, do you see Vinny brings in some of his real-world tactics? Because there's a bit <laughs> of shoving and a kicking, and he starts taking some knees out. Yeah, it really does. And watching this challenge back, like I love all the different animations and stuff, like, you know, the flags coming up and like the goal celebrations and stuff. I can hear the sound of the game, like as I'm talking about it. So you're letting two goals in the first half there. Do you think it's sort of blew it for you a bit? Yeah, I think so. I think I'll have to worry, have a word with our goalkeeper, Jan. Yeah, you're blaming the goalkeeper, are you? Vinny, pleased with that result? Yeah, I got the hang of the goalkeeper quite early. Yeah, you certainly were. You are stopping them all over the place. It was a good challenge. Thank you very much. We see a little bit more of this next week, but you are able to select the keeper, which can either backfire on you, as it often does next week. Um, but here, this was very much just the computer was doing it for them, as opposed to they were playing it themselves. I think if I played this game now, I would stink as the keeper. I think back then, I was okay. Mm. But as we wrap this segment up, Dex says to Vinny that he'll come back in a few weeks for the final. If, if he doesn't mind. And yeah. Vinny just stone faces him. And I loved it. It was great. Vinny was having fun. Dex was having fun. 
definitely, I think, my favourite football celebrity challenge because it's two footballers playing and the game wasn't boring. Hello and welcome to my clinic for gaming unfortunates. Who's first for some treatment? Games after, I can't get off level six of Aladdin on the Mega Drive. I keep falling off the rocks. Can you help me? Funny you should say that. I don't think it's particularly hard to keep out the lava, but this should solve your problem. While playing the level, pause the game and press the following melodious combinations of buttons. A, B, B, A, A, B, B, A. If you've done this correctly, you will instantly be ferried to the end of the level and onto the next. Satisfied now? Cheers, guys, Arthur. Our first kid in the consultation zone is stuck on level six of Aladdin on the Mega Drive. He keeps falling off the rocks. So Games Master gives him the very, very helpful thing. I wish I bloody knew this. Abba, Abba. And that will just skip you right to the end of the level. You can just sail through the entire game if you do it that way. So someone there was a fan of a certain pop group from Eurovision. Yeah. It doesn't It doesn't have quite the same, like, uh, like cadences abba cab or something like that but abba abba is a pretty easy one to remember games master i've heard there's a secret bonus room for super star wars on the snes do you know where it is i may be able to provide a little assistance here halfway down the sand corner jump left from the leg and as you fall keep holding down left magically you will travel through the wall and find yourself in a secret room containing a host of bonuses including a blast of power it should be an easy matter to complete the level now. Thanks, Games Master. Pretty, it's, it's, you know, a fairly simple little hint, this. It's a simple little hint. Always happy to see this game. Love a chance to talk about it. Was happy to talk about it before. Think I've exhausted almost everything I have to say about it. But it's a great game. It still holds up now. It's a good platformer that the developers did a really, really solid job on. We're actually just around the corner from uh, here in the UK, us getting Super Empire Strikes Back. That comes out like early doors 94. That'd be really cool when you get that, because I'd imagine we'll start to get some like consultation zones around that one rather than just always Super Star Wars. All three of the games were just, they were great. I mean, yeah, they were very similar. They would get very repetitive if you tried to back to back to back them. But they kept Star Wars alive for me as a teenager. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in like in 93, Star Wars is dead, man, unless you like are really into it. Game Master. I need more money, Syndicate, for Mega. Can you get to me, please? Well, as you ask so directly, I'll tell you directly. On the config accomplished beam, enter your name as Cooper T. Now start the game and look at your bank balance. You'll have loads of money. You will also have access to all the game's array of weaponry, including the awesome Gauss gun. Happy blasting. Nice one, big fella. Syndica is a game that I remember coveting because it was Amiga and PC at a time when I couldn't play it. I did get to play it later. I did love it. It's cyberpunk. No, not that one. More traditional cyberpunk. It's Blade Runner. It's tactical squad-based games. It's gory. Not gratuitously, not cannon fodder gory, but Mm. it is bloody. There's a lot of weapons, a lot of tactics, a lot of different variety. It's a franchise that I think dipped quite severely it did come back but it didn't come back as good it's had a fairly recent reboot or remake i forget the exact details of it but i loved seeing this original syndicate here it was a bullfog productions game god there's a logo that springs back some memories i mean this was one of the games that helped put them on the map this and populous and and that ilk and of course later on we've got theme park and such things did you ever play this on the mega drive because it did get the home console port i did not 
I never played the SNES version. I didn't play this until we got a reasonably powerful PC in the house. Like 95, 96, we got a Pentium for my parents to do business on. And it mm. was actually used for the business. I was allowed to use it for school. And as long as no one else needed to use it, I was allowed to play some games on it. And I got a hooky copy of Syndicate off a friend. Nice. <laughs> This kid is way too young to play this game. This very much felt like I thought when I was watching it, because while I've not played Syndicate, I sort of, you know, I know of it. And I was like, I don't think this kid is playing Syndicate. I think this kid, you know, as we all, as we know, was brought in, was just like, ask this off your pop. She was great, though, especially because when she gets the hint, she's like, nice one, big fella. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh, my God, you are so adorable. <laughs> Now, you've joined us at a crucial stage of tonight's show. These two teams are battling out for a place in the semi-final. There's no points here. Whichever team wins, they're the ones who are going to get through. So, team captains, have you chosen who's going to play? Yeah, um, Camel's going to play for my team. Yeah, so Camel, you like the championships resting on your shoulders, you realise that? Yeah. You confident? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. No worries. Well, he's silent, but maybe he's deadly. Sean? Yes, indeed. Did that intimidate you at all? Not in the slightest, unfortunately. We need our guy winding up as much as possible because that's how he fights best. That's right. And Chris is going to be playing Chris for you, yeah? Chris is going to be playing for us. Kawal, who's going to be playing for the Turbo Destructors, literally has nothing to say. Like, he's going to him and just like, what are you going to do for the night? He's like, yeah, 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 it's all right. Uh, to the point where Dex is going to have to film and go like, well, you know, he's silent. Maybe he'll be deadly. Good, good cover from Dex. Yeah. That's showing where he's doing a good job of trying to be positive and, and like big up the kids and make them seem like a big deal. Sean doesn't need that help. He's not intimidated and Chris will be playing for them and he's just like, no, 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 we want, we, we're not intimidated by him. We want him. We want him to get, get Chris pumped up. We want him to like kind of, you know, get him in the zone. <laughs> so what are they going to be playing, Games Master? Tonight's beat-em-up is the globally renowned World Heroes 2 for the Neo Geo. I've selected the flamboyant characters J-Max and Captain Kidd for this challenge, whose special moves have a real bite and involve some skeevy ball throwing. The first contestant to take two rounds off his opponent will be tonight's winner. Let the battle commence. World Heroes 2. We've had World Heroes featured on this show before. Yep, it's the sequel. It is relatively fresh. It was released to arcades in April, so that also means it would have been released to the Neo Geo home around the same time. I'm unashamedly, as I think I said before, I'm a fan of World Heroes as hokey and street fightery and also just stealing from various bits of pop culture as it is. Like there's a mad scientist called Doc Brown that puts this entire fighting tournament together. Whether he did it using plutonium stolen from Libyans, who knows? I hope there was a camper van involved somewhere. But we're seeing the second game here, and off the back of their own success, and Street Fighter, and to a degree Mortal Kombat, they just get bigger and bolder. The characters in World Heroes, I always thought, were just way more out there than Street Fighter. Oh, I yeah. mean, Street Fighter, you had Dal Sim stretchy but okay you had Blanca who was Blanca but other than that they were mostly human and also mostly present day it was all set yes. in a linear type not in world heroes we've got a demonic possessed footballer we've got a pirate called Captain Kid we've got Rasputin is lying around it's from all over the place and they just embrace it they go big or go home and I'm a bigger fan of World Heroes 2 than World Heroes just because they just kept 
going bigger. Yeah, and speaking of bigger, like these characters are big and chunky, like they're proper like Neo Geo style characters is the best way to sort of describe it. And I kind of like the way that they look and the way that they move and the way that they feel, particularly like Johnny Maximus, who's just this big hulking dude, man. Like he's the American football player. Yeah, I, I just think I'd really like the sort of design and the, the aesthetic of it. Like a lot of these 2D fighting games, it's actually aged really well because 2D graphics tend to look better scaled up than early polygon graphics it it's the nature of things i think it's also why like i will quite often pick up a 16-bit game to play over say a 32-bit playstation game to play and it's not because i think the 16-bit games are better but i just find them easier on the eye okay chris and calgit are in position they're gonna play three rounds of beat em up action on world heroes 2 dave what's these two guys for mate is it gonna be a good one it's gonna be a good one because in our audition chris was the stronger fighter. He beat Mike Bison twice on level 8 on Street Fighter 2, while Koji lost a round to a level 8 blanker. Okay, so this should be a hot battle. Well, Dave tells us in his pre-match analysis that Chris was actually the stronger fighter in the auditions because he beat, quote, Mike Bison twice on level 8, while Kowal lost to a level 8 blanker. Now, did he mean M. Bison dictator, or was he you know, using his insider terms and referring to Mike Bison, the boxer, which they changed because Mike Tyson. Yeah. I would imagine that he's talking about the the British uh, Bison there because actually, like, I remember at school, a friend telling me that, that that he's called Mike Bison. Like, Michael Bison is what he referred to him as. That's what the M stood for. I mean, to be honest, level eight, whether it's boxer or dictator, that's no mean feat, particularly on the snets because, man, those boss fights were tough as nails. I always find Sagat to be the hardest, though. Oh, Sagat's definitely, because Sagat will just stand on the far side and just throw high tiger shots and low tiger shots, and we'll just sort of, like, alternate. Like, I, And if you jump, he'll do a high one. If you jump again, he'll just do a, a tiger knee or a tiger uppercut and take you out. He was an absolute prick to fight. And I think Dave is probably right in his pre-match analysis that Chris is the better fighter here, because Chris kind of, like, already, he gets to grips very quickly as to what the special moves are and, and how to do this. I feel bad for Chris in this because I think that he deserved to win because in the first round, Chris like absolutely like dominates him. So like Kowal does get the, you know, he uses the shark attack and stuff, but it's like, it's all Chris at the start and he absolutely dominates things. Kowal makes this great comeback, but Chris wins. I put down that essentially he Zangiefed this round. If you look at the way he's playing the character, he's Zangiefing it from Street Fighter. He's like, he's just like, he's like, oh, okay, big dude slightly slower and so he goes for those jumping strong attacks he goes for those low attacks first round it works unfortunately as we see in the second round if that's the main tactic you've got it doesn't hold up and suddenly he's on the back foot yeah i think what chris attempts to do in the second and third rounds is he's using the special moves like he does the special moves quite a lot he's throwing that football every now and again the problem is is that koal has worked out that if you do a jumping hard kick and then a crouching hard kick and you just spam that over and over again you're most likely just going to win it's kind of it's the basic way of fighting it's, it's sort of the uh, i would think a lot of people call it the the button mashers way of playing a game but it works for him because chris doesn't block the attacks particularly well and Kowal in round two just does jump kick low kick jump kick low kick jump kick low kick and wins gets into the third round and does jumping kick, low kick, jumping kick, low kick, and gets the win on that one as well. Like he's worked it out. And, it's, and I feel bad for Chris in all of this because I don't, I don't think he deserves to lose. 
No, I would agree with you. I don't think he deserves to lose. It was it was a good fight. It was a fun fight. You know, it was it was nice to get the three rounds, put it that way. Mm. I always like it when we get a three round challenge because it shows that there is a bit of balance there. Chris, well, you won the first round, but things went a bit wrong after that. Yeah. So Sorry. what happened? Well, I don't know, I just lost concentration. Then. Uh, momentary lapse of concentration. Let your yeah. team down. Yeah. Sean, I suppose you're not too happy with him, really, well, are you? No, I'll have to deal with him later. No, he played well. <laughs> he won the first round. Um, just didn't get a, any fireballs making. Well, they were a good team. What can you say? I mean, you were confident with your man, weren't you? Yeah, I was very confident. I knew he was going to win. And I'm just like to say bad luck to them lot. Oh, that's oh, not shaking hands. Uh, well, very sporting. No well done. Kaleem was confident in his guy, but I like this, and it, it was a nice touch. He says bad luck to the losers. They handshake. Sportsmanship, Luke. Lovely, oh. lovely thing to see. I've written here, it was very sportsmanlike, and I hope that continues. I hope that we get to see more of that uh, throughout this. I thought that of Anil, of the, the Raiders, because you're like, you know, uh, his team captain was there being like, oh, you're just sad, mate. You're just sad. And he was like, no, you know what? We, you know, we played really well. I just wasn't the better player on the day. So I really appreciate that these two teams were just like, yeah, you know what? On the day, the better team won. So it was very, very nice. Okay, these guys were good, but next week's guys are going to be even better. And if that's not enough for you, we've got John Barnes and Dennis Wise battling out on FIFA soccer. Should be a good one. Bye. And next week, John Barnes and Dennis Wise are going to be here. So you've got to hold it on and do it at the right time. You can be slow or fast, but you must get to the line. John Barnes, one of the only footballers ever to have a poster on my wall as a teenager or when I was still into football because I was a Liverpool guy. So John Barnes, I mean, he, he was top dog. He still kind of was at this point. Oh man, when they announced that John Barnes was on the show next week, I was very, very excited to bloody love John Barnes. Now Dex says goodbye, but he says the final word from the video wall because rather than the projection screens, the one thing I think we didn't mention is you've got a video wall instead. It looks kind of cool. It's so 90s. Projection oh, screens yeah. are projection screens. We get them then, we get them now. The video wall like this with CRTs, I actually dug it. I think it's great. Oh, I, I think we it. should have had video walls before now because they're great. But when he says goodbye, I think young Simon Amstel is over his shoulder. And this is a little clip and a way of him saying goodbye that they use in multiple episodes. So I'm wondering what were they covering for? Or why did they suddenly just pull in this final word from different ones? I'm yeah. wondering if it was covering for the fact that they didn't have time for his longer goodbyes. They needed him gone because yeah. this episode does not waste time. We don't get lingering death animations in the games. Some of them just freeze frame and go, boom, caption, score, next. And as soon as Dex has said goodbye, we're straight into the title sequence. The Games Master powering down is shorter and everything in the end credit sequence is also shorter. As I say, they cut 10, 15 seconds off this total. You've come up with a couple of suggestions of things that you think would improve the team championships. My big suggestion, make it an hour long. Yeah, it, it does feel too short of an episode. They cram so much in. And I think that would allow the challenges to breathe a little bit more as well. Challenges breathe a bit more. Maybe give the kids a bit more time to breathe and show a bit more personality. Because I think some of the kids that are a little lacking in personality or shell-shocked, if they'd maybe done some backstage interviews, some kind of like diary room kind of stuff, they could have had some fun with it. But I'm also very accepting that while they could have made the changes that you suggested, the concept of doing an hour-long video game show in 1993, no chance, mate. Never That's happening. That's not happening. No, that was never happening. 
But that was our first entry into the team championships. That was episode 13 of series three. The Turbo Destructors are our first team going through to the semi-finals. But Ash, what did you make of the episode? Now, first time I watched it, I wasn't entirely sure. And I know first time you watched it, you weren't entirely sure. Yeah, first time watching it taking notes, I would say that I wasn't entirely sure, yeah. Second time watching it, and then second and third time, because that was when I started my note-taking process, I enjoyed it a lot more. And particularly on the third time, as I was going through tightening up the notes, going, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to discussing this. And again, it's the it's the Luke effect. It's the effect ah. of knowing that I'm going to be talking about this with you that makes me enjoy it more. But looking at the tournament as it starts, and yeah, there are ways it goes well, there are ways it doesn't. I think it's a good idea. I agree with you on that one. I think they could have executed it a lot better. I also think they could have got it a lot worse. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I think there's a lot of ways this could have gone a lot more poorly. This, to me, is still more entertaining than any episode of Games World that I've mm -hmm. watched. And I'm sorry, because I know Games World does have its fans. I just, I'm not one of them. I did end up really enjoying this episode. Some of it is because the challenges were fun. It was great to see World Heroes 2. The FIFA challenge was cracking. The reviews were fun, at least from the perspective of having something to talk about, because while there was nothing good to say about gold, or indeed anything at all, nice little chat about the two Dennis the Menaces and Crisis on Infinite comic strips. We had sensible soccer. We now have two kings of the pitch in play. And the first challenge gave us probably the quickest exit from a challenge ever. Yeah. Which, not punching down on the kid, it was hilarious. It was so goddamn funny. And I feel bad for the kid because he had to live with that. His death meant we got three reviews. I think Dex is good as a host still. I think Dex is good on commentary. I think Dave is good as a host. I think Dave is good on commentary. I think there needs to be an establishment of balance between the two and maybe give them some decent in-ear monitors or something so they're not shouting over each other quite so much. It's fine for commentators to crosstalk. It happens all the time. We crosstalk all the time. When we're doing this, I edit it out most of the time. But when you are talking over each other so much that neither of you can be understood, it's a big issue. It's not Dex I'm blaming. It's not Dave I'm blaming. I'm kind of holding the production team accountable for that one. Yeah, I, I thought it was a, a, a pretty good episode, actually. Like, you know, I know that people are very down on team championships, and I, I think from a certain standpoint, understandably so, because it's a massive departure from what Games Master was and what Games Master is going to be. And yeah, on my first watch, I, I, I didn't love it. Um, on my, my second watch, I, I didn't love it still. My third watch, I, I enjoyed it a bit more. And I think, like you say, it, it's the Ash effect. It is the fact that I'm going to get to talk about it on this show. Um, you mentioned the talking over thing. You say that you often edit it out. If you uh, missed one, I tend to cut it out because we do two passes of this show to make sure it's as tight as possible by the time it hits your ears. And I think that, yeah, the, the sort of like some of the production stuff could have been fixed at the time. And really, you know, I'm looking at this through 2021 20, eyes where I'm like, I'd have changed this, I'd have changed this, I'd have done that. It is what it is. And I'm, as I said, I'm, I'm curious to see how I feel about the team championship when we get to the finals compared to how I feel about it as we are at round one. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm curious to see how this ends up. But I, I, overall, I thought, you know, the, the episode was, was pretty good. I think I, pre I prefer next week's episode, I'll, I'll be honest with you, because I'm, you know, watching ahead to that one. And I'm, I would have suggested, I'm going to say this on next week's show as well, but I probably would have had that one first 
and then this one second if you were i'd probably swap these two around but you did certainly want to have aladdin on there the valdezair challenge is probably the weakest of the lot um because the fifa challenge is really good in the world heroes one while i feel bad for chris is still you know it's a pretty decent challenge so yeah overall thoughts was it was okay it was it was pretty good um i enjoyed it a lot more talking about it than i did sort of watching it which is it happens a lot while doing this podcast so with the recording out the way and the fact that you may have enjoyed talking about it more where are you sitting on the scores because obviously this is setting a new bar because this is now games master 2.5 i don't really know what i'm feeling like it's hard to score because like I initially my first thought was 81% but then I thought that's a, that feels like it's a bit too high but then I was like but it is a good episode so maybe it is a fair score if it makes you feel better my gut feeling was 82 oh wow okay so we really were on the same ballpark then we were yeah I I didn't I never thought it was too high I'm trying to mark it kind of based on what I've already seen of the rest of the team challenge as well because I think there are some episodes where we're going to go higher there are some episodes we're probably going to go lower, unless the recording session is exceptional if we're going to go lower. But it was a comfortable start. This episode felt fresh. And I'm wondering if one of the reasons it feels so fresh is because obviously they had to stop filming at the existing set and they had to move on to the new location. And I'm wondering if that means that they were filming it closer to air date. Mm. So it means that they actually did have a few more new games. I mean, also, as we discover next week, they are getting more access to prototypes yeah. um, in the in the proper sense of the word. They're not even getting sent boards. They're getting sent chips. I'm comfortable with 81 and 82. I'm, I'm sure some will disagree, probably saying we're being too generous. <laughs> but hey, you know what? That's fine. That's okay. It's just a podcast. It's just a TV show. Let's see how we are in 10 episodes time. Let's see how we are when we get to episode 23 of this. And the history books say that under consultation (laughs) ended at the end of season three with Luke Owen quoted (laughs) as saying, what's the fucking point anymore? But that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. You all rule. If you do want to get in touch with us, we are on Twitter at underconsolepod and we're on Instagram at under.console and you can get in touch feedback at underconsultation.com. And if you want to interact with us with a real-time chat, Styly, you can join our Discord and apparently Styly is still a word. (laughs) Details of our Discord are in the show notes. They're on our social media. It's a great place to hang out. We've got a lovely group of people there everyone's building everyone else up latest topic of discussion i saw was amazingly about lip ribbon microphones and i don't think i even started that one i think someone else started that one cliff started that one i just came in afterwards but uh, but yeah mark my words there is a chance that before we get to the end of season three i will own a lip ribbon microphone if it's good enough maybe i'll record the last episode of season three on a lip ribbon microphone and you luke will have a very interesting view in that (laughs) recording uh yeah and you can also go onto discord as well because you can go and also tell me that i'm bad at doom eternal because turns out i'm pretty bad at doom eternal uh but if you want to support this podcast monetarily you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash under console pod we're at the five pound level you will get next week's episode one week early and ad free at the 10 pound level you get a little bit extra ash what do they get oh at the 10 pound level they get a mug they get badges they get stickers they get sweets they get retro power rangers trading cards and they get five pounds 
of the first under consultation t-shirt which can be bought along with other mugs, stickers, badges and stuff at underconsultation.com. Shout out to those £10 backers, Adam D, Adam Warrington, Cliff, Gordon, Jamie, Matt, Misha, Nick, Phil, Rich, Robert, Sean, Simon, William, Zach, and Colin. Oh, and David Palmer, thank you all so very much. You're all brilliant, just as every single person listening to this show is as well. We'll see you next week for round two of the Games Master Team Championships. See you then. Good night. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.